0: world and welcome to a bonus episode of the let's talk audio podcast so on today's episode i interviewed lisa she is the creative mind behind omni sound project and they have a conference coming up called signal game and i thought it would be a great opportunity to interview lisa talk about the conference and that sort of thing i've personally had a lot of really great experiences with Lisa and with Omnisound Project. And so during this interview, Lisa and I discussed there possibly being a in-person component to this conference. However, because Rona is, as always, a fickle mistress, they have decided to scrap that idea and only have it be online. So if this is something that you're interested in, you can head over to omnisoundproject.com and check it out. And without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and get into this episode. Let's, talk, Let's talk, audio. talk audio 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 audio. Lisa, uh, so those who are unfamiliar with you and Omni, give them, would you like to give them a little background on you and who you are and Omni sound project? Yeah. So my name's Lisa and I'm a musician from Austin, Texas.
1: And I had kind of gotten curious about audio engineering and just basically wanting to learn how to record myself, not, not necessarily become like a professional engineer, but just know a little bit more about it. Um, And so I, I, was looking, looking, looking for audio engineering classes. You know, YouTube is great, but there's something really nice about working with a teacher and getting that feedback and getting to ask questions and meeting other people. And I just couldn't find anything like it in Austin. So I started Omni Sound Project in... January of 2020, we had our first class in February of 2020. <laughs> and then in March of 2020, we became a online community uh, for obvious reasons. And um yeah, we've been going strong ever since we have several classes. And now we're working with sponsors and the sponsors always like give awesome treats to our, our students and help us plan the classes, and it's just evolved into this really awesome, like, community of not just um, students, but also our teachers are awesome, and the sponsors, the people we work with are really great, so it's been a lot
0: of fun. That's really cool. So... I guess, like, what is, like, the primary goal of Omni then? Like, is, I mean, because, I mean, you're talking about having classes. I know that you have, like, you know, uh, the Signal Gain conference that's going to be coming up in November. Yep. And then, you know, you have your Wednesday night chats and you're always doing these, like, different spotlights of people. So, like, what is the main, I guess, sort of. Driving force behind Omni and what it is that you're trying to accomplish?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now the driving force is achieving gender parity, but we do also focus on all types of inclusion. We want to make sure that, you know, just basically that everyone feels welcome in the recording studio. I mentioned that as a musician, you know, I wanted to learn more about recording, and part of that was that I just felt like really intimidated when I went into a studio, and no one was ever rude. Uh, in, In fact, most of the the male identifying folks that I meet in audio are quite lovely, but it's still just a different atmosphere and not necessarily created with me in mind. And I just like the idea of having this community of people who are going, okay, what is, you know, what is this really supposed to feel like or look like? Like, um, I don't know if you saw Kia, Kia posted this picture today of herself and a client in the recording studio. And they both have these huge smiles on their face. And I'm like, You never see that. You know, you always see the real serious engineer and everybody trying to look really hardcore and they look like really happy, like they're having a good time. And that's what I want. That's what I wanted. And so really the driving force is to just kind of create more space in the studio for everybody. It's really cool.
0: You mentioned the studio, but Omni is not dedicated to just recording studios though. Like um, your classes and stuff vary, vary from just um, working in recording studios so what are yeah. the other types of classes that you have then
1: yeah well we basically say anyone who is creating recording or editing sound or music so we really kind of focus on we do a little bit of like the signal capturing a signal but mostly everything's between the capturing of the signal and then the putting whatever it is out there in the world so something in between but we do occasionally have interesting kind of like one-offs that aren't focused on music um, production like last summer we had a the intro to film on set film recording which was really awesome and sometimes we'll have a podcasting class you know things that aren't necessarily about music just to kind of because even though I'm probably never going to produce my own podcast it's still interesting to learn about how they're done and what what's needed and so yeah we just basically I try really hard to think of Things from a musician's perspective, that's kind of my target audience is like people who aren't necessarily going to go on and like become audio engineers, but someone who wants to like record themselves or others or just feel that confidence when they're going into a studio, getting recorded or working with a mix engineer, or mastering engineer, knowing what to say. Our, our recent intensive was about like how to prepare your music for distribution. So. Yeah, you can slap it up on DistroKid, but there's a lot of stuff that you have to do before that happens. That you need to like feel well versed in and confident in making happen, getting things mixed and mastered and data added. And so it's 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 really just kind of kind of runs the gamut of what I think will be helpful to that that demographic. Mm.
0: So with with that, then how do you balance, I guess, the types of classes not becoming repetitive and making sure that you're still actually adding value with these classes then
1: yeah that's a really good question that's something that I'm kind of like discovering now that we're going into year three I just yesterday like wrote the list of classes for 2022 and topics and I think it's actually a little bit of the opposite problem where I have a I like variety so much that I like new topics and I forget that somebody may have just become an omni member yesterday and they're looking for that like basics class and i'm i in my mind i'm like ooh what's new what's exciting what can we do you know and so i'm made sure when i when i came up with that list of uh, classes for next year that we actually went back and repeated a couple things now that it's been a couple years because i can't believe it's been a couple years isn't that crazy and <laughs> you know what's so funny T'Angela is um it, you know i was on the show right at the beginning And I've listened back to it. I don't know if you've listened to it recently, but it is so hilarious because you and I are just so convinced that the pandemic is going to be over in like two weeks. And we're just like, oh, this is fine. We'll be back in April or whatever it was. And like, it's really funny. It's like this little time capsule of like naivete, you know, here we are like a year and a half later. Oh my goodness.
0: That is that is actually really funny because I I do think about that actually pretty regularly. Like I um I recently decided I wanted to apply for a podcasting award show. Great. Because I was like, I've never done it before, so let's see what this is all about, right? And so I decided that was gonna be a thing. And so one of the things that they ask you to do is create like a, a audio reel for them to listen to and all that sort of stuff. Now, I've heard of audio reels, I've never had to make one before so I was like sitting there like going through my podcast trying to figure out like what segments to take out to put in this audio reel and I've listened to like some of the ones that I've had and I'm just like man what was I even talking about like I don't like I don't regret anything that I said but there was definitely a level of just like yeah the world Uh was going to show you something And, and and it has and it's and it's been rather funny to to like go through that like memory lane I know and I agree it is like a time capsule it's it's the best time capsule. it is and I feel
1: like we eventually kind of learned to just say like well we don't know what's gonna happen but in that particular interview with you and I we were totally convinced that we were gonna be fine it's like do we, we were
0: I am like I'll see you in like December it'll be, yeah, fine. It'll be fine and, and then oh it wasn't we're no. still not there I know well which is really interesting because I mean, we're still in the pandemic and now the Signal Gain conference is going to be partially live. Oh, that's kind of out of order. I should probably ask you about the Signal Gain first, but I'm asking you about it because the context came up first. Yeah. Well, okay.
1: So we really have the goal or I have the goal to make Signal Gain like completely in person someday. I knew this wasn't the year just because even if we had been safe in the United States to get together, we have so many people now from overseas who I knew wouldn't be able to travel. And so, and also just as a new organization, it's like, let's just ease into this. And so really Signal Gain is completely online again this year. The only thing that's in person is like a viewing party. So we're just going to be getting together in person and basically watching exactly what everybody else is watching online. And I was able to do that because Same Sky Productions was like super game for like letting us use their space and also had a very direct conversation with Dave over there about what do we do if, you know, we can't do this because this was back in, we'd just all gotten vaccinated when I went over there and, and we were like, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be November, but just in case. And so honestly, at this point, I am not completely sure if we will be holding the in-person component. We are going to, I'll wait and see. And I've told anybody who buys an in-person ticket that I'll refund the difference. It's like a $15 difference or something. And so, but what's interesting about it is Greg Abbott has kind of tied our hands as small business owners or individuals who want to want to be extra cautious because I am technically not allowed as a Texan to require vaccine proof of vaccination or masks. And so that has really, I think, were I anywhere else, I would just very easily say, we're holding it, but you have to be, you know, you have to wear a mask or show proof of vaccination or negative COVID test or whatever's making sense at that time. But because of that extra layer of like I don't think Greg Abbott's going to find out about Omni Sound Projects, you know, conference or whatever, and shut us down. But you, I don't want to jeopardize, you know, Dave or any of the people at the studio or anything like that. So I, I, it's just a wait and see thing at this point. I mean, Signal Gain itself is like completely planned and full steam ahead, and we have got some awesome, awesome stuff. We've got free week. I don't know if you saw that. There's like I did.
0: I was very excited about it.
1: Yeah, so we're cuz Austin has a free week once a year where that you get to go see every band in town for free. So we're kind of emulating that and we're doing three free events and then and then Signal Gain on Saturday. So at this point in my mind, I'm kind of like just really focusing on the online component and then telling anybody who's interested in coming in person let's see what's going on, you know, by the end of
0: September and,
1: and we'll make the
0: call. Cool. So let's reverse a little bit and um, explain exactly what signal gain is. Cause I know I kind of yeah. jumped the gun a little bit on that
1: one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, that first year that I planned it, I wanted it to be an in-person thing and I wanted people to, at that time we were like an Austin organization. And so I, my thought when I planned signal gain for 2020 was, Oh, this will be the time where I bring teachers in from like other cities. You know, we're not just relying on our talent pool here in Austin. This will be kind of our big blowout. And then with going online, it became more of, honestly, it kind of just feels like a big celebration every year. You know, it's like everybody, our class sizes are relatively small and people who come to class do really get to know each other. And signal gain is even though it's online, it's still just kind of this big party, you know, and that, that we get like, like really well known teachers, people who are like a little, you know, like pretty accomplished in their fields. And then we do this year, we're adding speed sessions, which are like pre-recorded videos in between everything out. We're going out to Rupert Neve designs and like filming some videos out there. And so it's just this like really fun full day conference basically. And then, you know, there are some kind of social components to it. Like in between classes, we'll usually ask people to introduce themselves and talk to each other. And I, I just feel like that's what, separate like that's what makes omni classes feel different to me than than other online classes is that our community is so welcoming and if there's somebody new in class they'll always like ask questions and you know just make people feel really like comfortable and so signal gain is just the full day celebration of that
0: cool so signal gain is primarily online. So, how do you go about making sure that you get quality teachers and who are actually they have the stuff to teach?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Good stuff.
1: Um well, now it's a little different. The first year I kind of was like just, you know, bringing in a lot of guest teachers and then I sort of realized that I noticed that like when I would rebook somebody, like rebook a teacher, their class would sell a lot better because I think what happens is that students begin to like get to know them and trust. Oh, I know that Onley's class is going to be really great. I took a class of hers, or I saw people posting about it, and so that's kind of where I, when I started going with the core faculty. And now for 2022, they're going to be teaching everything. We're going to bring in guests for Signal Gain, and we're going to bring in guests for our interviews and some some free videos that we'll be putting out next year. But really, every year I kind of choose like five to six people that are interested but also that just teach really well and that people really respond to well and then they kind of rotate through the the different things and how I choose them is really based on not so much like their experience level or or their like professional accolades but just their ability to communicate and we are we our teachers are just so good at like explaining things and being non-judgmental towards beginners, just understanding what it's like to feel a little bit intimidated to ask a question, things like that. And they're also always going like above and beyond. Like every time someone teaches class, they'll be like, "I had this idea to add this on, or can we do this, or can I offer people a free private lesson, or whatever." Like they're just really giving, you know, get really giving and generous, and just part like part of the team. And so for me, that's that's what I I value. And then for Signal Gain I specifically, we have three sponsors for each session. And so I I had I kind of made some mistakes early on about accepting sponsorships where I would then go to like the website of the people sponsoring, and it would just be like all white men on the website. And I was like, oh shoot! And so I kind of learned my lesson, like if you're going to sponsor a class, we need to like have a really serious conversation about like where you're, how you're going to change your marketing. If you, if it isn't already there, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, I'm not, you can't send me a video to play. That's like almond, you know, it, it, you have to, if you don't have it, you got to create it. And so like I interview sponsors, like pretty seriously about that. And I've lucked out that I work with these people now who like, that's what they really, really want to do. And so the teachers that we have this year for Signal Game for the three main sessions are actually people that each of those sponsors works with and like really trusts and admires. So, for example, um, LaFray Sai creates content for Spitfire Audio and was recommended to me. And when I talked to her on the phone, she was so incredibly fascinating. She's a percussionist. she She's going to teach a session drawing kind of giving the historical and social background of rhythm and beat making so everyone's so interested in beat making right now right you know like that's the big thing but like she's talking about where did this all come from you know and and how where historically where did rhythm originate what are the implications of you know you know what's appropriation and what's not and like just this very interesting lecture I mean she basically kind of gave me the lecture on the phone and I was like this is amazing can you just do that <laughs> so she's developing a class just for us on that topic and so we, we've just gotten really lucky that we collaborate with these these awesome people who have recommendations of folks who sometimes like one of the teachers has never even really taught a live class, but she does all these YouTube videos that are super amazing, you know? So it, and it's also like, finally to answer your question, it's also just like a, a gut, a gut feeling too. Like when I talked to somebody on the phone and they like you, you know, when we met and it was just like, we connected and, 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 you know, just, you just, you embody that kind of energy that we want with Omni. So Sometimes it's just a. I've I've talked to a lot of people that I didn't ask to teach a class because they didn't have that, you know.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So I guess something that I've always, I guess, as someone who may be like looking into like trying to decide whether or not they want to join this community of people, what um, do you really feel like is like the thing that sets you apart from like other communities that are doing similar things? For example, like. Like people with Soundgirls or uh, even with Wham! or, you know, like different sort of groups that are, um, I guess, focused on building a more inclusive world in audio and and they are offering those sort of things. Like what makes Omni different than them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to give kudos to those OG organizations because they're like the best always. So if you don't know about Sound Girls or Wham, you definitely got to check them out. Wham is how I got started in audio. First class I ever took was uh, with Wham out in the Bay Area. So love them. But I do think, and when, you know, when I started Omni, it was very much modeled on those organizations because it was going to be local. We were all local and then when we went online, it was like, well, everyone's online now. How do we distinguish ourselves? And so I've just been very careful about like watching how everyone, each organization like presents themselves and back to the like target marketing idea of like, I feel like we're really tailored more towards the musician. Like I said, I feel like wham is like wham is very clearly run by a very serious and talented engineer. You know, I mean, Terry Winston is amazing. She's a legend in the field and she is teaching classes that are building those legends, right? And with Omni, Omni sound project is run by a sorority girl (laughs) and it shows. And you know, like we, I feel like what sets us apart is being like really social. Like we have a lot of social events. We have a discord channel where we're always chatting and getting to know each other and. Uh I just, I don't, the group texts, I mean, people are just constantly in communication with Omni that I personally have not felt going to other organizations, educational experiences, because that's not what they're trying to do, right? They're, they're focused on education. And so like ours is just a little more community minded. And that's probably being an Austinite. Everything in Austin is just like, so incredibly social, you know, like potlucks. And of course, I'm my friends will laugh if they hear that because I'm like very anti potluck, but um, but like you know, we ha- we're very social people. Like we want to hang out all the time with each other, and I think that's just kind of what Omni Omni feels that way to me.
0: Yeah, I get that. I mean, I I completely agree. Austin is very social place, especially like just even within like you know, your small little pockets of communities, you, you end up with like people just being like, let's just hang out all the time. Like, it's like, we don't have work that doesn't exist. We just <laughs> hang out, you know, like, like our hanging out is our work. <laughs> I had a friend come visit before the, prior to the
1: pandemic and we were driving along uh, the trail, you know, we have this trail that runs through the town. I never remember what it's called now, but it used to be called town lake trail. I think it's called lady bird trail or something, but anyway, there's always a million like very attractive people running and biking on this trail. And my friend was like, we're driving and he was like, What? Does nobody work in this town? What are all these people doing? It's just like two o'clock, you know? I was like, I'm sure they do,
0: but they're just taking a break. Cause you can. I don't know. Yeah. Like, part of the work culture as well is to like have this sort of like leisure to be able to leave to yeah. do what's necessary for your well being. And then come back to work. Like that's definitely an aspect in some aspects of the culture of working at Austin as well. Now there's some aspects where people are like, nah, fam, work all day. But there are are a lot of places that try to include that as well. So it does make it feel that way for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think I think like for me, I guess a question that I wonder is that I know like with podcasting, especially now that it's become a much larger thing. (laughs) than it was when I first started off and this genius idea that was mine to start a podcast. The space as a whole has grown. The amount of people doing podcasting has grown. And the types of podcasts that are out there has really grown as well and in, in the way that people are doing things. And so for me, one of the struggles that I have had is trying to make sure that I stay true to me without copying or imitating or trying to deviate because I think that that's where I'm supposed to go in the way that I run and operate in my own, my own space of podcasting. So I guess I wonder, do you struggle with that sort of concept or issue especially since during the pandemic so many brands who didn't normally do online classes then started doing online classes and then those classes were possibly bigger than what you were able to offer or anything like that like do you ever have those sort of feelings and how do you deal with them yeah of course mostly I worry others
1: think I'm imitating them right like so I I don't really care if if somebody gets ideas from us because it's great it's like the more the merrier but I think I mentioned in the first time we talked that I, right after everything shut down, I actually did message like Wham, Soundgirls, Fem House, Fem, uh, Female Frequency. And now there's a few more organizations, but kind of kept them in the loop of like, what are, like, let's make sure we're like checking dates with each other and then we're checking topics and teachers. And a couple were like really cooperative. And we will like repost other stuff all the time. And a couple were very competitive, which is really strange. And so, you know, I just kind of keep my eye on like what everybody else is doing and try to work around it respectfully and like not like choose dates that like I chose the date for signal gain because WhamCon is usually in the summer and the winter. So kind of slid in there in the fall. But then I noticed like Sound Girls is doing a conference like I think the weekend after signal gain. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh no. And then I was like, no, this is great. Like we have a great relationship. We can promote each other. We can make sure that people are doing both, you know. So I just I'm just attuned to it and just making sure that I kind of know what what we're doing and, and where we're headed. And I don't look at any of those guys as competition, you know. I just look at it all as as we're all trying to achieve the same thing and we're gonna draw different people to each event. And then, then there are a couple of organizations that are like, you know, bless your heart. I know you're trying, but you're not, you go to the website, there's no classes listed or there's all men. There's one organization (laughs) that everything made, all their classes are taught by men. And I'm just like, this is so weird. Like you're, you're advocating for hiring women in this industry, but you're hiring only men. Like, I don't know. It's just strange. So people like that, I just kind of like, don't worry about, you know, like, they're, they're cool. But they're the big, the big ones, I I just try to watch out for what they're
0: doing and not step on their toes, you know, when I first got started with with my podcast, at first, I didn't, I didn't think much about like, the people around me, not because I was trying to be rude or disrespectful to them. It was just sort of a thing where I was like, I have this idea, but it's not fully fleshed out. And I don't want to be positive or negatively impacted. I need to make my idea work the way I think that it should and then if it doesn't work out the way that I hoped it does, then taking either positive or negative feedback one mm-hmm. way or the other. Yeah. And so I struggled for for a minute there trying to like weave through that world and I and I know that I feel like especially with music and I don't know if this is necessarily true for for musicians, but I think that it's true based off of my love of music, I, I feel like maybe there's like that sort of element as well for people to like, they want to make music and they want to be, you know, they're, they're in a specific genre, but like everybody in that genre has a specific sound. Right. And then you're like, well, I don't want to necessarily sound like these people. I want to sound like myself, but if somebody listens to me, they might think that I sound like these people. Right. That's why people get grouped together the way that they do. And I know sometimes that can be, um, I don't know, uh, hard, discouraging, I don't know but I do think that that it's okay if that happens I don't know I I know that like I then took a lot of other podcasts that I was listening to and sort of took what they were doing or in terms of like the way that they asked questions or mm-hmm. I took like small elements that I realized that could make me better and incorporated that and that made me kind of flesh myself out better. Yeah. And I think that that maybe the same concept can be held for, you know, what you're doing or as musicians, if they're making music and, and trying to, to navigate that world as well, or navigate that feeling, because it's a specific mm-hmm. yeah. feeling. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's just, there are just things that work, you know, for the human brain, right? It's like, there are, there are techniques of capturing attention and, to some degree, those things change over time, but mostly not. And that's why, you know, a 12 minute, like, I'm, I'm going to insult, I'm not going to name the genre, because then I'm going to insult some listeners. But let's say, you know, a, a 12 minute song that is droning or doesn't have rhythm or whatever, those aren't like super popular songs, right? Like, people love them, some people love them, but that's not what captures most people's attention. And so like, as somebody who writes music and writes songs, like, it's hard because you do have to think about those kind of like formulaic things that, like, when I first started writing music, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's been done, you know? And it's like, well, it's, it's what, it's kind of just what human ears are drawn to, you know, like doing certain structures. There's room for creativity within that, but you just kind of learn the structure first and then kind of bend the rules within it. And so I think, yeah, and a part of that's just experimenting. Like you're saying, when you started, like Omni definitely has, been doing that I feel like now we've kind of hit our stride and we have like the the formula but but for a while yeah it was a lot of like just trying things and seeing what worked
0: yeah I also think that it helped that we did this in a pandemic so it's way more easy to like like blame some of this on yeah well you know global pandemic changed the way things happened, so we had to readjust right versus it being like uh well there's no reason for it other than just we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> yeah
1: yeah totally
0: I kind of, I kind of like having, um, lame excuses. The (laughs) the pandemic (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't put out an episode for a month. It was because of the pandemic, you know? Yeah. Well, it's real. It was a, it's been a rough struggle. It has, but I also think that there's a lot of learning, excuse me, a lot that's been learned through this process as well. So I guess, um, like what has been the biggest thing that you've learned through this process? I mean, both in starting and through the pandemic as a whole, I mean, there's been so many lessons. So like, what has been like your greatest lesson that you have learned so far?
1: I think business wise with Omni, um, the biggest lesson I've learned is to trust my gut. I'm always trying to give people the benefit of the doubt or, or like, well, this person looks really good on paper, but I didn't have a great feeling when I talked to them. And I think in past businesses, I would have overridden my personal opinion and been like, well, yeah, but they they really know what they're doing, so I'm going to hire them. And I've learned through this process to just like try, totally go with my gut. Like if I had a difficult conversation with someone or they were hard to get a hold of or they didn't answer emails or whatever, like that's just like just that is part of what I need from people is like I need that level of communication, you know? And so, like, just trusting my gut is definitely the business takeaway. But the pandemic takeaway, which I learned, like, in June when, you know, that was kind of my month where I was like, I I just have a feeling like we're going to be, like, hunkering down again um, in the fall. And so, I was like, I'm going to go see as much live music as I possibly can right now while, you know, it's okay. And um, I went, I just was out every night, like, multiple bands a night, multiple venues a night. And I was so, it was super fun. And it was like, I'm so glad I did it. Cause now I'm like, now I'm not going inside anymore. (laughs) But like, I, I definitely missed like the daily rhythm I had developed during the pandemic, which as lonely and isolating as the pandemic was, and I would never want to repeat that part of it. The fact that like we, I was, I was, I had the luxury of being at home. And I had a lot of time, obviously, because we're not commuting and we're not going out. We're not going out to dinner and just had this really nice daily rhythm where I was, I had time to exercise. I had time to play instruments. I had time to journal or daydream or whatever, you know, and I had just, I just threw it out the window. Like the first opportunity, (laughs) I was just like, I'm back. And I just noticed like by the end of June, I was like really depleted. I didn't, I didn't feel like calm. I felt back to these old feelings of like, you know, the Austin music scene is very supportive, but also competitive. And you can sometimes feel like an outsider. And I was having those feelings of like, Oh, my music's not good enough, or I don't play enough shows. And it was like, this is just not that whole year that I was at home. Music was just like a love I had every day, you know, it had nothing to do with anybody else. It was just something that I did. And that I really, after June was over and I'd kind of gone crazy seeing all the shows I was like all right you need to get that feeling back like no matter what happens if we're on you know lockdown again or not that's something that I want in my life I want to have that like daily rhythm at home where I'm just exploring things for the sake of enjoyment like my own enjoyment and health
0: yeah that's really cool that's a <clears throat> wow Man, you think I was like over there, like inhaling smoke, I smoke from the fire, the way I sound. Um, you got you <laughs> really. to gotta, gotta tell people what that, because we talked about that before you recorded. So people are thinking I'm just over here in-
1: inhaling smoke.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, don't <laughs> think that. That's not what happened. You no, know, you are, she is in Montana uh, and they are surrounded by the flames of the <laughs> east, west, west, west coast. coast. I was like, wait, which coast yeah. is the, way? the west coast. And so. Because of that, there's a lot of smoke. I mean, we even got smoke in Texas. Like that was like a thing that happened, which was super crazy.
1: (laughs) I went to Maine in July and they were talking about they had gotten smoke all the way on the east coast from from the west coast. So they were it's out of control.
0: well, I mean, I guess, is that any different than what happens every year with the Sahara Desert yeah, dust that Saharan we all carry over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we get that stuff way over here and we're nowhere near the Sahara Desert, but somehow we're going to start choking up our lungs with Sahara dust. That hey, it's blows like- <laughs> my
1: mind. I didn't know about that till last summer. And then my mom, I was freaking out about it. I was like, damn it. This year is just the worst. And like we, you know, we have all these locusts and dust plumes and she's like oh the dust plume is here like three or four times a year i was like really i had no idea yeah i just like that word dust plume or
0: that phrase that is a nice it is a nice set of words together i'm not gonna (laughs) lie i really do like it especially as somebody who's been trying to name things recently i i've had to I've decided to do new business endeavors and so there's naming that comes along with that and let me tell you naming stuff is hard I didn't realize how difficult naming something was until I had to do it and that's one of the things that they like um, uh, when people recommend naming things how does it roll off the tongue when you talk like Uh when you say it how does it sound dust plumes sound really cool (laughs) you know Uh, there's like other words combinations like that just don't sound good right like you like you think that they sound good but then other people say them and you realize how not good it sounds yeah
1: (laughs) where was i oh god i can't remember who i was with and they had this dish that had i don't know what this is but on top it was called it was called charred lardo and and so we just were like charred lardo you like you can't stop saying it once you start saying charred lardo chard lardo it was some restaurant and they'd served this beautiful dish and it had this little thing on top that I guess was chard lardo <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing you can cut this part of the interview out
0: <laughs> No, absolutely not I love it I I think honestly one of my favorite things I mean don't no, you wrong I love talking technically with people I love talking about specifics but I also really think that one of the best things about interviewing people is knowing them as individuals because I think so often with interviews you cover like people will cover a topic and it's like okay we're going to talk about how to write a business plan I don't know let's say we're writing, we're writing about business plan and you're and we're talking about that and we're like going into the details of business planning and that's great and all but when you have so many different people who are all talking about business plans it's kind of like well, yeah, but why should I believe what you're saying over what this other person is also saying about how to write a business plan? And I think the key to that, and maybe this is just me, is the personability of it all. Like there's like little things about knowing that you are human yeah. that makes people feel like somebody is more trustworthy. I totally agree. I think for me that's like oh sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's sort of like the thing that I I try to strive for is like, yeah, I want to be technical and I want to have these conversations about topics, but I also want people to feel like they can trust whoever it is that I'm interviewing. And I think the best way to do that is to have that sort of element of you are a human. Yeah,
1: I completely agree. We do that with the Wednesday night chats that you mentioned earlier. That's, you know, when I set those interviews up, people are always like, they want a list of questions. And it's like, it's, it's just, uh, literally us just talking about everything, you know, whatever and keeping it real short and sweet and personal. But I'm like that with music, like going to see concerts. Some people really don't like it when bands like talk in between songs. And for me, that's like the only reason I go to concerts. Like I can listen to music at home and it probably even sounds better than some, some venues, not all, not, not the ones that you run sound for, of course, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like, but I like being at shows and hearing the musicians like banter and talk with each other between songs. Cause that's something you can't get. And that's how you get to know them, you know? So I'm totally, I'm totally team uh, personal chat.
0: <laughs> I don't know if this episode is out yet. So I'll have to check before I leave this in, but. On Cinnamon's episode on Cinnamon's podcast, I think you know that I edit for her. Yeah, I don't know if you know that or not. Mm-hmm. I like, I feel like that's something you would know because you guys talk all the time. Yeah. Okay, so uh, editing her most recent episode that I did for her with Infinity, Infinitus music—I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> they talked about that how they literally will sit in their rehearsal time and they'll have times where they sit to plan what they're going to say to each other and to the audience. So that way you do get that more personal ability, but also so that way there's like, it's more of a conversation with your audience. So that way they feel like they're being brought into the musical experience as well. Yeah. And having that sort of stage presence and having it and it being as important as, because it's an important part of the live performance. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I was like, if I say this sentence three times, maybe the word will finally come. Uh, and so I think that's super cool. I'll have to ask her if I can leave that in, but um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if not, you should listen to that episode because uh, oh, yeah. it was definitely something that I thought was super interesting. And I think that you would enjoy it, also just because her podcast is fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's plug her
0: podcast. It's called The Music Executive um, by Cinnamon Denise.
1: It's a wonderful podcast.
0: Yeah, and she is also one of your core faculty members as it well is. your core faculty teachers. Yeah, so she's awesome. She's
1: definitely like helped Omni get started for sure. And she'll be, teaching, she'll be teaching one of the speed sessions at Signal Gain. She's going to take us all on a tour
0: of Rupert Neve Designs down in Wimberley. Oh, fun. Yeah. That'll be so much fun. I know. Cool. Well, I know that uh, it's almost about that time for you. So I guess at this point, just uh, plug yourself and your stuff wherever it is people can find you. Or if you have any final thoughts that you want to share.
1: Yeah, well, um, my final thought is something I talk about a lot. And I just want to reiterate that the myth, you know, stop repeating the myth that there are no women in audio. There is a statistic that flies around too much about only 3% of women in audio or people in audio are women. It's false. Uh, That statistic is referring to people who have songs in like the top 100 or they're working at major studios. So the problem is not a lack of women in audio. The problem is a lack of hiring women in audio and promoting women in audio. So please um, stop using that statistic in the wrong way. Start using it in the way that demands that more women get hired and promoted um, because they're here and they're here on this podcast and they're here on the Wednesday night chats. You can search women in audio on Instagram and you're going to come up with a billion people. So make sure you're really working hard to include and promote uh, women and, and all genders. And then yes, if you're interested in Omni, you can find us at OmniSoundProject.com um, or on Instagram omnisoundproject. Project. And we have classes all the time. Uh, we do intro classes, workshops, and then of course, signal gain. Um, but we also have a lot of free offerings. And so if you are a someone who identifies as a marginalized gender, go ahead and become a member because if you're a member, you can, it, it's free and you can, you have access to our discord. We'll feature you on member Monday and we have like little social events that you can join. So we want
0: you, we want you to come over and, and join us. So that's about it for me. Perfect. Awesome. I have one question though. Yeah. So do you know the statistics of women who are actually in? audio no but it's got to be
1: <clears throat> excuse me dust trim, stupid dust um, no, but it's huge. I mean, that's one of the things that, one of the reasons I started doing those Wednesday night chats is because it's like, you know, now it's been like a year. I think you were like our first, first or second person that we had on that, but yeah, it's been like a year. And so now there's just all these people and we're not talking about beginners. We're talking about seasoned professionals who are ready to be hired. You know, I'm kind of constantly, uh, nagging Larry at tape op to include, more women. And I actually have gotten to do a couple interviews now that hopefully will be in upcoming issues. Um, and it's, I've just learned that it's a matter of just kind of constant repetition. It's like, they're here, you know what I mean? Not, not just beginners, not, not people who are in college. There are people who have 20 years of experience that are here that are not included. So I don't, I don't know the statistic, but I know that it's more than 3%. And I, and I looked deeper into that and it was like, Oh, The, the statistic, the metrics they're using are like people who've been included on like credits for like the top 100 albums or whatever, you know? And it's like, well, that, you know, that's a little bit misleading. it, It is true that that's a terrible statistic for successful women in audio or women who are getting accolades or paid well. That's what that number represents. And that to me is more shameful, but I think that people use that number. Some, some people who are in positions to hire and promote women use that number as proof that they can't find anybody. Mm. And that's not, that's not true. I've had people literally say, well, it's just so hard. It's just too hard to find a woman who can run live sound. It's like, are you kidding me? I know like 40 in Austin alone you know, like a little different, but yeah. So, so like it, I don't want to, I don't want that number to become like an excuse for people who aren't going to try to include other genders or all
0: genders. Gotcha. Gotcha. I understand. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for all that you do. I also really love Omni Song Project and like the whole community that you're building around that. So,
1: yes, we love, we love you, Tangela. Thank you so much for having me on the show.